Good morning, good morning. Kids are heading out. Um, I have a problem. Uh, I don't have my notes with me. Uh, so if you can give me just a minute, uh, I can get them. Uh, sorry, uh, but it's an it's a extended passage and I really need them. So just, just give me a second, okay? I was actually hoping for awkward silence while I was gone. Uh, you were going to leave because you were growing impatient because you had to wait. Yeah, see, I purposely did not say I forgot my notes. I said I didn't have them. So I didn't lie to you. Uh, but the idea was to make you experience a little bit of a wait, and maybe even an awkward wait, because we love waiting, don't we? Uh, and we're going to look at that today uh, about waiting. And we again, I don't like waiting. I don't know about you. I remember uh, just this couple years ago, actually last year, um, Allie and Brooks told us early that they were expecting a baby. So we had to wait from February all the way till September to meet our new little grandson. I hated every minute waiting because just couldn't wait with the little guy. How about going to the DMV or, or, or any kind of place where you need to stand in a line, you know it's going to take a while. Uh, our car uh, was in the repair shop and it took... Uh, oh, what, two and a half weeks to get it back. And unfortunately, we had a rental with our insurance, but we're waiting for our car to get back because they had to replace two doors. And, you know, it takes a while to paint and cure the paint and all those different things. Um, you know, or seeing results. It's funny how we gain weight really fast, but it takes a long time to get rid of it and seeing those results from that. I mean, goodness, we get impatient watching the microwave. Uh, which is supposed to speed things up a lot. So we don't you know. Um, I, I despise red lights, I just, especially going to Butler and going through town. It's like, can we time these maybe uh, so we could all go through this? But no, it's like every one or every second one, you're stuck at another light. And then they also, and it's nice for pedestrians, you know, that they, they stop both directions of traffic for the pedestrians, but that's another light you got to wait for. Uh, or, or any kind of line, whether it's in the grocery store, whatever it might be, we generally don't like waiting for things. If you don't mind that, you're better than I am. Um, but there are, there, we're going to look at waiting today, and this is going to be waiting for years for Abraham. Now, where, where have we been? So we talked about last week that God is recalculating. Remember, we had the 
great, great creation that was all good, and he made people, and they were very good. And then, poof, all of a sudden, in three chapters, it's, it's just gone to pot. And so they, they need to fix this, or God needs to fix this. We had the flood, which just shows how bad things can get with people when they do everything evil all the time. Everyone does that. And God kind of uh, washed everything away, quite literally, with the flood. And now, when we looked at Abraham in chapter 12, it was the Abrahamic covenant. That is God's really first definitive time where he's going to fix things. Uh, and it, but it's still going to take a while. It's going to take you know, 1,400 years or so until Jesus arrives. But he is working on fixing our problem that we did. And we, we saw a little bit. We didn't cover everything about it. But Abraham gets this command, go, just go. And there are times when Abraham responds with, with great faith, and other times he responds with fear. And I, I appreciate God's word. And this makes it unique among other, I guess we would say, religious uh, uh, writings, is God tells us the truth about its heroes, and lets us know, hey, here's where they messed up, and here's where they did well. And Abraham had times where he was, was uh, uh, filled with faith. God said, look, I will bless you. You'll be a blessing. I'll make you into a great nation. In fact, actually later he says a father of many nations. Uh, and so he did. God said, go, and he got his stuff, and he left. It was an act of faith. We didn't cover it, but he also had times of fear because when he's in the promised land that God was, had shown him by that time, there was a famine. And he's, you know, he's getting a little worried. Well, how are we going to eat? Well, now remember, God said, I'm going to bless you. you. He should have been just fine staying where God led him. But he thought, let's go to Egypt. And because Egypt always had food, they were a bit uh, uh, famine-proof with the way the Nile River flooded every year and fertilized everything. And so there was food down there, and so that's where they went. Now, God, remember, he said, he said, Abraham, you'll be blessed, and you will be a blessing. Well, he wasn't a blessing to Pharaoh's household. Things got a little bad for Pharaoh. So Abraham finally said, okay, all right, let's go back, and we'll go back where we should be. So there are times he responded in fear. He did take Lot, um, and as well, he was told not to do that. But Abraham is going to have to wait. And when we read these chapters, remember, years and really decades are going to go by. There's going to be almost 25 years from that first promise in chapter 12 until we see that child born later. Actually, um, I think maybe 18 or 19 chapter. So there's just a few chapters. It takes us just a few minutes. But listen carefully as you read those. And I encourage you to go back and read through those. Listen as Abraham or God talks about his age decades are passing by. He's going to be 99, 100 years old by the time this baby comes. And his, you know, he and his wife are just getting older. So it's going to be harder and harder for this baby to come about. But Abraham waited for this child and no offspring. I'm going to uh, just pick up a few passages in chapters 15 and uh, summarize 16 and get into 17. So 15, 1 to 5. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abraham said, and I, I think 
quite logically, oh Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. So it's really quite logical. I don't know if he said how he said this. Was he, was he griping? Was he just stating the facts? Was he pleading? Say, God, you made this promise to make me a nation, but I need at least one. I need one offspring, and so far don't have any, and years have passed. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. This relative isn't, no. He's not going to be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And a couple times God brings this out. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Now God's not obviously saying it's a finite number. He's using a metaphor. So you're going to have a, a lot of descendants from you. And I think it meant Abraham probably at least understood this to mean physical descendants. But in prophetically, God was really going to tell him about all his descendants, including us in this room. So he said to them, so shall your offspring be. So waiting. It's not natural. It is, in fact, learned. Have any of your children ever known how to wait themselves. Uh, just where, you know, when they when they were impatient for something, they're waiting for something. Have they ever been good at it right away? No, not too much. You know, usually it's something we have to learn to do to wait. And the longer it took, though, for Abraham, Abram, and Sarai, the more miraculous power. Again, they're getting older and older and older. But a very key thing happens to Abram once he gets this promise. And this, or not, or he gets a promise, but then God makes a statement about him that becomes pivotal in the entire scriptures. In fact, it's repeated in the New Testament. Genesis 15, 6 says, and he, that is Abram, believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. Now, later on chapter 4 of Romans, Paul's going to talk about this very verse and says, look, we, we know the work of Jesus. He came on the cross, he died for us, and he rose again. All you have to do is believe that, that that is how you get to heaven. That is how you become righteous. The first three chapters of Romans talk about how bad we are. Uh, and if you come and join us on Tuesday nights, you can hear more about Romans because that's what we're covering. We're in chapter 5. But he, he uses Abraham as an example. Abraham just believed. And it was counted to him as righteousness because our problem is we're not righteous because of our sin. We need God through Jesus to make us righteous. Well, note God's saying here to Abraham, kind of looking forward to that sacrifice of Jesus, He saved. That's what term we would use. He's been declared righteous because of what he believed in the Lord. Um, He is trustworthy. It is salvation by grace through faith. We use the expression that uh, having belief or faith is believing that God tells the truth. Abram believed that God told the truth. 
even though there's a lot of circumstances bucking against that truth. God walked through the covenant process between the animals. I think I mentioned this last week. In those days, if you were making a covenant or a contract with someone, you would get in in at least one animal, you'd cut it in half, and you would walk through together saying, we're we're making this promise, it would be public, you'd have people witness it. We're going to walk through these animals together, and if we break our promise, may we be torn asunder like these these animals. And so for God and Abraham, God had Abraham get the animals, but God in his presence walked through. Abraham just watched. There was nothing on him except to believe that promise. Now, why is it so hard? I mean, God is trustworthy, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, he, of course he is. And so we, we have to keep reminding ourselves. It, it requires things that we don't like to do. I'm speaking for myself. There's a couple things I don't like to do. That is surrender my expectations and surrender my control. I want things to happen when I want them soon. We, we want what we want when we want it. I don't like to surrender. I don't like to give up control over things. And maybe you feel the same way. But when we wait, we have to say, okay, I know you've promised, made these promises and say, uh, rather than have it my way, I have it God's way. And coming about at his perfect timing. But, you know, we grow up with sitcoms. You know, there are 22 minutes. There's a problem in the beginning. And in 22 minutes, I'm taking the commercials out, it's solved. That's how we want our life to be. But God says, uh, I don't time things like that. And maybe there's, there is some purpose that he has in that waiting. I'm going to summarize Genesis 16 for us because... It, this is one of those times of fear and times of doubt for Abram and Sarah. They were growing tired of God fulfilling his promises. So they come up with an idea. Actually, largely Sarah does, but Abraham agrees to it. Uh, when they were in Egypt, uh, Sarah uh, was able to gain a servant, an Egyptian servant named Hag- Hagar. And they're thinking, you know... Maybe God needs a little bit of help with this promise. Now, what you could do in those days, and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but if you had a female servant and you couldn't have kids, you could have kids through her. They would essentially be yours. You would adopt them. Well, Sarah thinks, boy, this is getting hard. Maybe, you know, and see the, the excuses, the justifications start happening Maybe, maybe husband, maybe Abraham, this is what God intended all along, was for you to have a child through Hagar. Oh, you know, and, and, and I know, I know you really want a, you want a son, you want an heir. And, and I, it grieves me to see you suffering without having your son. (sighs) All these different excuses. I just want you to be happy. Well, Abraham agrees to this. He sleeps with his wife's handmaid, Hagar. And sure enough, she gets pregnant. And he has a son. He bears a a young man named Ishmael. Well, yes, he's Abraham's son. 
but he's not the son. He's not the same one. When we're in times of waiting, we have to guard against impatience in making excuses. Frankly, God doesn't need our help. Later on, God's going to say, yeah, Abraham, Ishmael's your son, but it's not going to be him. It's going to be a son from Sarah. And he keeps reassuring him. Again, the circumstances would say otherwise, but God wants us to, to have that patience. Waiting requires Waiting on God requires patience. And again, we don't like waiting seconds. Remember the opening? Remember today when you were waiting for me? Were you wondering? Were you curious? Let's jump to chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, remember how old he is when he left Ur? 75. Now he's 99. 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. When we start doing this series on, on the names of God, that one's got to come up. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. So they've, they've been trying. They've been trying to see this covenant come through. They saw God walk through the animals. But the years keep passing. Um, after It was 13 years after this whole incident with Hagar. And he appears to Abraham again. Verse 5. No longer, the Lord's still speaking, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of, multitude, of a multitude of nations, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Just wait, my friend Abraham. And I think I explained the other week, Abraham means exalted father. Abraham means father of many or father of multitudes. But he's, God's a little more specific. He's, you're going to have the um, uh, nations come from you. And as Paul brings out again in Romans, those who believe become Abraham's spiritual children, adopted, so to speak. So even though we may not have genetic connection with Israel or Jewish connections, God says, if you have believed in Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of Abraham. Declared so. God has made it so because you believe like he did. And here we are, another nation that didn't even come along till 17, almost 1800 years after Jesus. Here's another nation. And there have been kings that have come from us. Even in the Bible, we see kings coming from that, that believed. Read Daniel, I think it's four, five, six, about Nebuchadnezzar's journey of becoming a believer. He's a king, great, powerful king. Later on, Jonah goes to the Ninevites. You know who's the first person to repent? The king. He is a son of Abraham as well. And then, of course, as the nation grew and they form a kingdom, you have Saul and David and then Solomon and multiple kings that are coming through there till finally you get to the king of kings who reigns forever is going to come from his, him as well. So God's promises will be true. It's just 
the circumstances aren't quite there. So he initiates this covenant again and, and encourages him to do a sign of circumcision. And I can get into the details for that. Uh, if you're not familiar with what circumcision is, ask me later or kids, talk to your parents. You, can, you find out what that is. But it is a, the first thing God told Abraham to do, but after he believed, that's important, uh, is to circumcise himself and then all the people in his, now again, he's a rich guy. He's got hundreds of workers and family under him that are around. And so all the men had to go through this despite their age including Abraham. So he told him to do something that, frankly, was going to be painful. Literally. And he would have to heal and get better. And, and, and then God says, look, you're, you're going to have a child through your wife, Sarah. Changes his name, again, as an act of promise to Abraham. Verse 15, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you should not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be your name. I will bless her, so it's going to go beyond him to her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Hard, hard to mess around with that. Not Hagar, not some other handmaid. Sarah, 90 years old, is going to have a child. I will bless her, and she will become nations, kings of people. There it is again, shall come from her. And then Abraham responds. He says, he fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And, he, but, and God then reviews, also renews the promise of land. You're going to have a nation. You need land. That's important. Shows them the land where he would, uh, they would live, which is now we understand is Israel. And it would all come from this child. And Abraham falls on his face and laughs. Now, some people wonder, how did Abraham laugh? Uh, I think he laughed in, in a way that was almost giddy and respectful. The reason I say that is because, for a couple reasons. One, he falls on his face to worship. I don't think he was laughing in a snarky way, like, ha, 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 right, yeah, 99-year-old father, right. I don't think he was laughing that way. The other thing is, Sarah also laughed. Sarah gets chewed out a little bit for this, but Abraham never does. I do think Sarah's laugh was a little snarky, Oh, right, at my age. Ha, 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 that's really funny, God. But she laughed. And later she was confronted by the angel of the Lord. Said, why did you laugh, Sarah? Oh, oh, I didn't laugh. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get that straight. Well, guess what they named their child? I know, you say Isaac. Isaac means laughter. They named their little boy Laughter. And I, I just, I tend to lean toward, I know some, some sources are kind of a bit critical of Abraham, but I think he's laughing in joy and giddiness and excitement. Where Sarah, Sarah was a, a little bit more critical. He is the son of laughter. Waiting is a journey of trust, isn't it? So throughout the story of Abraham and Sarah, we should not underestimate how hard it was. Year after year, day after day. Faith is not automatic, 
You got to work at it. You got to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm still going to believe God. Uh, and it is also not a single event. It's day in, day out. In fact, isn't it harder to believe day in, day out than when there are a lot of signs, there are a lot of miracles? Because we start seeing all the different so, I mean, it was easy for the disciples to kind of believe because they kept seeing Jesus do miracles all the time. But when he died, boy, that Friday, that Saturday, those were long days to wait. Trusting God is putting our confidence in him, but our journey in that confidence is going to look like a stock market. It's going to go up and down. But ideally, hopefully, he will be um, uh, believed ultimately. 25 years passed, as we said, and like us, they make mistakes along the way. There are moments, as we said earlier, they respond to f- in fear, like Hagar, like Egypt, in doubt. But in the end, 11, Hebrews 11, 8 and 11 tells us that Abraham and, and uh, Sarah were ultimately commended for their faith. Well, so how do we wait? What are we waiting for? What are we supposed to do? Abraham, as we mentioned earlier, was, to, was given a command, go be circumcised and circumcise all the men that are underneath you in authority and every boy at the eighth day as a covenant. So guess what they did? They obeyed God's command. That's what we do while we're waiting. And in that itself was an act of faith, if you think about it, because Abraham's, at some point, is going to have his own son, and he would need to circumcise him on the eighth day. So every time they had to do that, uh, it was a reminder. God moves according to his love, not according to our fear. We have to continue to obey and do what we need to while we're waiting. If we're struggling in waiting, keep doing what we're told to do. Think about what promises do we have as believers in Christ now? Well, obviously, if you're a believer in Christ, you have the, the hope of eternal life. So if you die today or Jesus comes back, you'll be with him forever. That is a promise. And you know, it's getting a little hard to wait sometimes, isn't it? When we read the news, when you hear, I hear things about churches that are, are abandoning the gospel and leaders, and it's just Oh my goodness, come today, Jesus. It's getting bad out there. And it might get better again, or it might get even worse. But regardless, we continue to believe because we know this, is, this life is just a, smart, a small time. Remember when one day we put up a timeline and we put it all around the building? Remember that? And then we just put one little tick on there to illustrate our lives. Just one little line. Our life is very, very short. But it's also very, very pivotal in that someone needs to believe during that little teeny time because there is eternal life. What about wisdom? Do you ever need wisdom? You ever going through a struggle? You're going through a hard time and you just don't know what to do, what to say, how to handle that, that money problem, how to handle that relationship problem. And you think, I just, I, I need wisdom. I need to know the right thing to do. Well, James tells us when you encounter various trials, this is James 1. Ask for wisdom. And there are a lot of times, here it is again, God might wait, make you wait for it. And maybe there's wisdom in just the waiting. But God promises wisdom. How about the fruit of the Spirit? 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I don't always feel those things, do you? Now, I could hide things from you. And in my heart, there might be awful and wretched thoughts that you would be, boy, I'm just glad they're not broadcast on a screen somewhere. But the fruit of the Spirit is inside things. To really love, to really have peace, to really have kindness in my heart. Boy, he's working on me. And sometimes I get impatient with myself. I've been dealing with stuff since I was an early believer at, at 15 years old. It's like, God, am I not done with this yet? <sighs> Keep waiting. Jesus will make me like himself. And he's making you like himself too. But we have to wait through that and trust him. He has promised that we'll be like him. Power when God's will's on the line, when we have to share our faith and make disciples and all these things, we need God to speak through us. He does that. He will give us power just like he gave the early church. Or even waiting for prayers to be answered. Don't say any names, but have you given up on praying for somebody? I know I have. Don't. Don't. It might be. I could give you examples of family members, family, loved ones, friends. I get a, um, I, I see a, he actually unfriended me, um, but I still see his post, my junior high school friend named Brett. And every time I see something on social media with Brett, I just, God reminds me to pray for him. Godless man. Haven't seen or talked to him since junior high school. And that's probably why he unfriended me. Because he mocked me back when I was in junior high or high school later on too. But I'm not giving up. Not giving up. Even if I don't hear about it. Don't stop praying, especially for the hearts and soul. That one thing that you keep stumbling over, that one sin, that besetting sin, and you think, ah, some point, God, you gotta, you got to bust me through this. He can do it. He can do it. Uh, or any other answered prayer. Uh, sometimes we wait. And as we mentioned earlier about our culture and where things are going, um, you know, ju the justice and vindication is not our job. It's the Lord's job. He is the God who brings about vengeance. But there are times it's like, God, this would be pretty good if you took care of that person. You know, he, he'll do it in his time. He will do it. The wicked, the wicked will have to pay in some way. Either themselves or maybe they'll fall upon the mercy of Jesus before they die. But one way or the other, that's going to be paid for. All right? Wait, 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 wait. Uh, and a little caveat, we need to make sure that we are trusting in biblical promises rather than what we think what God wants. God might lead in a certain direction. Just a real quick example. Uh, a few years ago, we, we felt that God was leading us to uh, begin a Celebrate Recovery ministry here. It never really took traction. And we did some things that we're still doing. Sometimes we do small groups with that. And, and had to come to the point, it's okay 
it's okay that we're, we're going to close down the big group. Did it fail? Well, I think in the world sense, maybe it did. We're not doing it anymore. Don't put the banner out anymore. But God worked through that for that time and that, in that season. And so we, we sometimes have to be patient and wait uh, when we're looking at these specifics. God's not obligated to fulfill our interpretations of what his will is. And also, he measures success differently than when we do. Something might look like a failure in the world's eyes, but, but it is success in his. What can or will should we do while we're waiting on God? Um, we keep obeying, even if it's painful, like circumcision. We keep praying, even though we think, well, what good is this doing? We keep following what he told us to do. He told us to make disciples, for example. He told us to care for one another. He told us to share our faith, be a light. What if he tells us or leads us to do something that we don't have the time or the money or the resources for? Then we say, okay, God, you calling, you're leading. You got to provide. If he doesn't provide, probably it wasn't his will. And that's okay too. Let's take some time praying. And then today we're going to have communion. Um, Just a reminder about communion. It's a promise too, isn't it? Because when we remember the bread and the juice, they're reminders of the broken body and the blood of Jesus. That's an act of faith. That's an act of waiting. And so if you're a believer in Christ, I, I invite you to uh, partake in that after we do our prayer time. Uh, and just uh, one other thing, just a little business item. Uh, we're, we're going, have gone back to the uh, individual pieces of bread with the cups. If you're not comfortable with that, if you're still a little concerned regarding uh, um, spreading you know, any virus or anything like that, we also have those little packets. I think they're white on the top. Is that what you said? And so you can grab one of those if that's, if that's a concern for you. We just wanted to make that available. We uh, appreciate your feelings on that either way. Otherwise, it's a regular piece of bread and a little cup of juice. But let's, let's pray. Let's look at our pause and pray items uh, God never breaks his promises. We praise him for that. And there will be a day where all of his promises are going to be fulfilled and true. And we're going to be up in, in being in his presence in the new heaven and the new earth. Remember when we talked about how God's promises will be completely fulfilled? Here they are. Isn't that great? I know. Isn't it cool? And we're going to just marvel at that God is the promise keeper. He's already fulfilled so much. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for us and rose from the dead is a great statement of his promises. Let's praise him for the promise of, and maybe there's a specific one that you are so appreciative of or means a lot to you this morning. Uh, And then for ourselves, I'm going to pray for faith even though God's promised me a child and I'm 99 years old. That kind of prayer. Maybe I'm praying for a person to come to the Lord even though they are stubborn and wicked and just an awful person. God changes hearts. If you would like to pray out loud, you can do that here. If you don't want to do that, that's great too. Just pray quietly with us and then I'll close this in a few minutes. But let's, let's start applying this uh, lesson from Abraham and Sarah's life now.
Yes, God, we acknowledge that you are the great promise keeper. You are the one on whom we rely. And there, will be, there are many things that are going to, well, circumstances that are going to cry out that you are lying or our flesh is going to cry out in objection. But nonetheless, we will, still, we will still believe you. We will still follow through. We will still believe, live our lives according to your promise. God, I thank you for the promise that you are patient with me and that you are bringing about this change. And, and, and one day we will, we will see Jesus as he is and we'll be like him. And it means so much more than those physical aspects of a new, a new body, a spiritual body, as Paul talks about in Corinthians. But Lord, to lose the propensity of sin, uh, I am so looking forward to that. Um, and it will, it will be so. God, we want to pray in faith for those loved ones, uh, family members, friends who uh, have been so stubborn. Uh, Lord, I think of my own siblings, for, for, for David, for Karen, for um, Tammy, uh, Linda, Lord, for their, their hearts that they indeed might um, put their faith in you and put their objections aside in Paul as well. So, Lord, we, um, uh, I pray for those who have who are given up. I, and I understand that feeling. But, Lord, we are going to uh, remain faithful to keep praying, keep seeking your face, keep seeking you to, to change them by your power. And, Lord, for our community, for this, um, this season as we're heading towards Easter soon, for our church and other churches, Lord, we, we've been, many of us have been praying for a stirring of your spirit and even use the word revival to, to bring about a, a mighty work in our, our valley here, in our, in our district and counties, that, Lord, that you would be moving, in, first of all, in your churches, in your people. And, Lord, some of us have been praying for that for years. And Lord, we—I don't know. I don't know. It could be today. It could be. It could be. We're just setting the foundation with our prayers, and you will do it in years from now. But Lord God, we know that it's um, a desire for people to repent and to come to you. So we pray, Lord, according to that, and that you would give us uh, the words, give us the boldness. We want to obey you and what you've called us to do, even if it's a little painful, uh, or a lot of painful, to follow your will. Lord, as we search our hearts now for communion, we thank you for the promise of new life because of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, for all our believers here now, we, um, uh, we, we pray that you would search our hearts and our minds to believe you that you are the one who cleanses us. In your name, amen. So when you're ready, please come up, either as a family or individually, and remember the elements. We'll play some music and then do a few announcements and finish our time together in song. Well, I got to say the juice is a lot better than those brief. That's <laughs> just me. Hey, last week I, I, I asked you to be praying for our Lenten gatherings. This is the whole schedule. It's 7 p.m. every Wednesday night starting on February 22nd at Harvest Church. Uh, and then we're on uh, March 8th. Um, Boy, first of all, I encourage you to be there. Like that's six weeks, yeah, it is. It, but to get our hearts and minds ready for Easter, uh, and to be with our other brothers and sisters in the community. Uh, but and and I asked, I said, boy, would someone join me in praying for each one of these Wednesday nights? Um, no one's come forward. So if you've done that, he says, yeah, I wanted to do that. 
please tell me so I could, I could uh, be assured and, and we'll get you some more information about how to pray for those. But um, we're, we're, as a ministerium, we're working together in praying through these ourselves. And so we, we encourage you to join us. Speaking of that, uh, when we get towards Easter, uh, we, we will still have the um, uh, crosswalk and the Good Friday gathering for, again, for all the community. But we're doing something as well this year on April 8th. We're having an Easter prayer breakfast. We're going to learn about prayer a little bit more and then also for um, have some time in prayer together. Uh, it'll be at Carn City High School. It'll be in the morning. Obviously, it's a breakfast. It will be $8 just to cover the price of the food. And so I just wanted you to mark that down on your calendar. So it's April 8th. That's the Saturday in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so I hope you can join us for that. Uh, last day for if you've been saving paper tubes uh, for us, next Sunday is the very last day. So if you forget them next week, we're too late because we're going to play with them after church. And uh, so the, we're going to be asking people if you're going to be joining us because we will be ordering pizza for that. So we need to kind of at least get a rough count. If you're going to help us, we could use some help with the kids. And you're welcome, of course, join us for pizza and everything and lunch. Um, but uh, we just want to make sure the kids are safe when we have to cut up those tubes and so forth. Um, and then a uh, little bit of change for our life group this Tuesday night. You're welcome anytime. Uh, we were going to do a potluck this Tuesday night. We're not going to do that. It'll still be at a regular time at 630. I know that's Valentine's Day, but you'll hear about God's love. So there you go uh, for, for that. So come and join us at that. And then men, of course, we meet uh, here at 8 in the morning every Sunday. We review the message, and then we do a preview. You get a little uh, heads up of what we're going to talk about. Let's continue on our worship. <laughs>